plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. What'd you say? Plus minus. Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome back to Warriors Plus Minus. We took a week off. We are fighting the adversity of the man trying to shut us down, but we will not be stopped. I'm here with the boss man, Tim Kawakami. We've got Ethan Strauss, allegedly. It might be Raymond Ritter using a voiceover technology. And we've got Anthony Slater, he of watching video replay scrimmages as a way to get back into Warriors basketball. And break it down. We are not stopping. Our producers trying to stop us. <laughs> Everybody's trying to shut us down. There's a third outbreak of Corona, but Warriors Plus Minus continues. We are gangsters over here, right, Slater? Some would say that this is the off season. I would say this is finally the season for the Warriors. I mean, the last whatever five months felt like the off season. Now every GM and every uh, pundit is looking at the draft, you know, and free agency, which is coming up, and like you know, the Warriors can really kind of negotiate now. It kind of feels like. We're to the end of what was a long offseason, in my opinion. Well, usually, right, the season ends and then the draft is the next week. And then free agencies right after. So, like, we're used to, and that's a little delayed this time. Obviously, everything's delayed. But we're used to, like, okay, now this is it. This is when everything starts going. There's no pause after the, the finals. This is actually when everything starts going. So, I think we're just conditioned. I think maybe other people aren't conditioned to this, but I think NBA people are conditioned. Like, this is on now. This is when it accelerates. This is when the real stuff begins. Uh, and this is when Slider goes play-by-play and pass-by-pass through a, a, a Warriors video of a scrimmage. It was uh, Well, that it was that awesome. is not normal. That is not normal. <laughs> wait, wait a second. What's that? <laughs> like by the way anthony to go from the los angeles lakers just combing over every bit of their film as they are on a championship finals run with anthony davis and lebron james to immediately downshifting to the warriors scrimmage well at one point i was comparing michael Mulder to contavious caldwell pope so my brain is kind of i you know i don't know I'm, it, it all runs together same uh crowd amount i guess i mean it, it looked the same on uh TV, you know, I don't know, it was interesting. You know, it was good to have content to dissect more than like, think about our Warriors discussions. It has been over 200 days of like just speculative discussion, right? Zero amount of, hey, like, let's look at this play and like see if that changes an opinion. Not that the Warriors scrimmage really did that, but at least you could watch something tangible. That's kind of what it felt like. Could Kerr split up the teams in any meaningful way? Like, did he split them up or did he go first team, second? I mean, we know. He split them up. He split them up. I mean, like, you know, Looney and Chris were guarding each other. You had to put the two centers on separate teams. And then just kind of like the wings were separate. You know, Mulder and Damian Lee are separate. Jordan Poole's running point guard for one team. Kai Bowman for the other team. That kind of stuff. Who was the best player in, in this scrimmage? So I would say Marquise Chris, probably the most impressive, and he should be, right? I mean, he's the only of who we would consider right as of now the top six Warriors players, the only one that played, because you have the four Max guys who didn't play. Eric Pascal didn't play. So Chris would be the really the best player, and you know he, he was out there. They were like running a lot of the offense for him. I put up some of his passes. I've been really impressed with like 
his growth from vision, dribble handoff, you know, high post type passes. And then the other guy that should and did, I thought, stand out was like Jordan Poole does look better. He was in command. He was the best guard, I thought, in the scrimmage. And he should be, right? This is a first round pick in year two in basically a summer league environment. Put some respect on Jordan Poole's name. I've been telling y'all this dude is the next superstar. I've been telling y'all this. Superstar is full. Superstar is full. While y'all, while y'all were talking about he couldn't you play You realize in the league, that this is going to be what they excerpt and they promote. Excerpt is weirder <laughs> than promotes. Excerpt. Excerpt. Well, they're going to excerpt this and they're going to promote it. And it's going to be that quote that they do it with. Just so you know. Jordan Poole. Next superstar. superstar. Which which exactly what I will do when I'm right about it. <laughs> the next Caruso. Let's just put it in the terms that Slater really is most comfortable in. Let's just put there it in the Lakers. <laughs> Slater was using Contavious Caldwell Pope as the model. This is who he should pattern his game after. I was like, wow, KCP <laughs> yeah, has really would... <laughs> risen. <laughs> hey, he got paid. KCP has risen. NBA Finals <laughs> credentials now for Contavious Caldwell Pub, no question. Mana from heaven. I understood what you were doing there, Slater, but I wasn't thinking that with him. I was thinking, I mean, am I wrong? Or Duncan Robinson more. We're talking about Michael, Michael Mulder, Mulder, by Mulder, by the way. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about Michael Mulder. Obviously, the person you would normally spend 15 minutes of a podcast talking about. You were talking defensively, but like a Duncan Robinson, just a guy. I mean, I saw some of those shots. Like if he's taking 30 foot, 28 footers... It can spread a defense the way Duncan Robinson. He's not as good as Duncan Robinson, but I'm mean, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking that sort of player for the Warriors, that sort of impact on a lesser level, but that sort of that kind of thing. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting about that. Well, number one, he's not as good as lethal as Dun- Duncan Robinson is, like mid forties, like super deadly. Michael Mulder was thirty eight percent in the G League. That's probably where he'll sit. But Michael Mulder was built in the Miami system. He played at CO Falls, I think is how you say their G League team, which is exactly where Duncan Robinson was built. I remember talking to Warriors people at the time. Remember they were just shuffling through 10-day guys. Watch later act like it's a Tesla lab in Sioux Falls or something. Yeah, I was about to say. (laughs) We've got some interesting pronunciations today. They were manufactured on the assembly line. That's okay. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. Let Let's go. not Let act go. like Miami doesn't kind of view some of their prospects that way. I mean, like, you know, that is a militarized system. Hey, they view some of the Warriors players that way when they pull Kendrick Nunn out of there. No doubt. So I remember talking when they signed Michael Mulder to 10 day. I was like, well, who's this? And the, the first thing that stood out is he led the G League in three-point attempts. They wanted a confident chucker, really catch-and-shoot guy and you look he took 52 threes in seven games for the Warriors and 50 of them were catch-and-shoot I mean so that's just what he does and he moves well off the ball again I remember talking to the front office at the time they're like he's well trained in the Miami system and, and that was appealing to them and he defends with effort he's not like a stopper like I mentioned but the way I framed it in the in the story was like should we be talking about him more as like a legit rotation piece I kind of think so he fits in many ways not just because of the shooting but They love, you know, it's the wingspan. He's got these really long arms, which is weird because he has a quick release despite it. I remember talking to him about this, just how he's kind of practiced getting the ball off quick, even though he's got this kind of long, drawn shot. And it's been hard for him to master that because his arms are so long. But in the Warriors system, all you kind of got to do is put your arms out and be in the right spot, and you halfway home. And that's what they like about him, like his wingspan – puts him in position to be in the way. And they could make something out of that, especially if you get him with uh, Ron Adams. I just see so much similarity between 
those two kind of systems, cultures, whatever. And I don't think about Lakers with the Warriors. It's just LeBron's a whole other thing. It's just Anthony Davis is not duplicatable. But you look at what the Heat had. You know, they had that playmaking center. You can put Draymond there. You know, they got the wings. Chris. That can shoot. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, Chris, if he's passing the ball. They got the wings who could shoot like crazy. You know, a playmaking, you know, Tyler Hero is not Steph Curry in any way, shape, or form, but a shooter who can also get into the lane. Like, I just see some interchangeable things there. And so when you're the Warriors, if you're looking at something like other than the Warriors themselves from 2017 and all that, you look at pieces, I think that, okay, if that guy could fit in with a Miami thing, it could fit with the Warriors. And I think Michael Muller could fit with both teams. I've liked him ever since they brought him. It's like a guy who has the guts to take shots. They look good. They don't all go in, but they seem fine. He seems like he's got his feet under him. That's my thing with Jordan Poole. It's like, I'm not sure he's got his feet under him, going too fast, whatever. Maybe better as a point guard in a combo sort of way. But Mulder just always looked like he had a solid base and knew what he was doing. I think he can get some minutes with the Warriors, even when everybody's back. Better chance, question of fear here, better chance of becoming a rotation NBA player, Michael Mulder or Jordan Poole? Chill. What's with the disrespect? Jordan Poole is already. (laughs) What's with it? Have you watched Jordan Poole last year? (laughs) I think the question is. They were 15 and 50. Everybody was that. (laughs) Who's going to have a better Jordan Poole is a rotation player, sir, already. (laughs) Who helps the Warriors more next season? I think Jordan, Jordan Poole because of the ball handler. Yeah, but Jordan Poole is the backup point guard. He's going to be pretty important to them. If yeah, he that's is, a, if he's he a ball handler. That matters. But I think Mulder is is going to be better defensively. I think Mulder hits that you know that three and D thing. And I, I mean, I'm not going to say he's a defensive player, but he's not bad. And he shoots a three. And if you're in that world, if you're in that system, that's a big thing that Poole doesn't really help right now on either side. Here's a problem I have with Mulder, and I I, I do like Mulder. I, I especially love his catch and shoot, but is it between him and Poole or him and Damian Lee? They're basically the same dudes. It's same him and Damian Lee. It's him and it's him and Damian Lee. Similar looking shot for what it's worth. That's to me his competition battle. It's more Jordan Poole and Kai Bowman at the second half there, of last there year. There is a free put, agency to come, we must say. Absolutely. Exactly. That's one thing Slater, I was thinking about reading your whole thing and be like, what if none of this even matters if they go out and get five new players or something you know they pull off a trade get three players sign two more and and half these dudes are gone anyway uh that's what's gonna happen no matter what but uh no they don't don't, actually don't have that many slots to fill because they don't have that much money but i I do think it depends if they get a three then you know you're looking at strictly guys battling for spots at the two and damian lee's ability to go to the three isn't as important you know there's all sorts of things but yeah, I think it's Mulder and Lee in, in you know in, in in a microscopic way going at each other. And I like Damian Lee, but man, I I think Michael Mulder fits them a little better. He's just a little better shooter. He's just and that's pretty important. And maybe a lot better shooter as as time goes by. So if you just like adding those kind of pieces, if Michael Mulder tops out, he's going to be a better player for the Warriors than Damian Lee. I really do believe that. And if you're talking about if the Warriors are going to get to this next, you know, get to back where close to where they were, they need a Mulder to be good more than they need Damian Lee to be. He's just got a much better chance to me to fit in an eight-man tight playoff rotation than Damian Lee to me would be. That's a lot, TK, for a dude who came in like on a 10-day. We've, we've seen him a, a, not a lot. 
I mean, look at the heat. The heat's just throwing guys out there, and the guys who stick just are the ones. Just throwing them out there, yeah, right? Yeah, like, the guys who the stick finals. are the ones who make the shots. The guys who stick are the ones who can play team defense. And, again, I keep referring – I just looked at the heat, and I go, man, that is how you do this in this league. That's how you do it. Now, you still got to get to superstars. You know, Jimmy Butler might be a superstar. They might need another one. The we'll Warriors see, already have that, though. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you just need those supplementary players at very important positions – and the three and D two guard, whew, that's a pretty big position. I don't know, Ethan. I'm go. I might go with the guy who sh- who's actually shot thirty five percent in the pros from three. <laughs> I think I'm right with the dude who came back for five injuries. I'm going with Sido Curry's husband. Surprise, surprise. Which he hates being referred to as. It's something that he wants. He wants to shed that shed that label. I think with him, he didn't like the implication of that's why he has his job because whenever you see. Lee have a bad game. If you were to search his name on Twitter, that's the first thing people say. But I think he proved himself. Uh, he he might have been their best player last year. Crazy as it is to uh, say, Pascal was their best player last year. So, but uh, God, what a year! What a yeah. season! <laughs> what a year! <laughs> isn't it? I was I was I was I was watching Slater's cutouts, and I was going, I was like, where's Pascal? I literally did I lose, forget what number he he's is? A I, superstar. Yeah, he, he didn't play. He skip, he I know he, skip, he skips the he skips the thing. Like, what? How big is this? Or Eric Pascal skipping your scrimmage? But it's fine. It's superstar. fine. Superstar. I, I literally was looking. I go. I'm trying to figure out. I had looked up like what was his number last year. I tried. Where did he change his number? Is that him? Really skinny? No, that's not him. When I'm frantically searching for Eric Pascal in a Warriors inner squad, you know uh, we've come to a very long offseason. Ethan, it sounded like you wanted to get a Jordan Poole takeoff because you presented the question like you were about to kill Jordan Poole, but then I think we interrupted you. So what's your Jordan Poole take? No, look, he made some very nice passes and he did some good work on the ball. And last season in 57 games, he shot 33% from the field and 28% from three. That's the thing. It's I think everybody sees the eye test potential of what he could do if the, if the shot starts falling. But if you put up those numbers, your NBA career is in peril. I don't think that's crazy to say that. That is what it is. You know the number that worried me the most about him last year? He was like, he was bottom five in the league in like two point. Like he was just really bad, you know, under the arc, particularly at the rim. I think he shot like 46% in the restricted area. And that to me, like you're not going to survive as an NBA rotation guard who's trying to run the pick and roll, trying to be a threat. If you just can't finish, because then suddenly the defense is like, okay, you know, cool, cool, way to pass, way to do all that. We don't care about you driving. I can't take too much more of this Jordan Poole disrespect. Let's can we can we get some can we enter some facts into the fray? Please. I thought I just entered a fact. I, I thought I thought we both just entered facts. After the all-star <laughs> break, 49.5% from the field, 34.8% from the There was an all-star break last year. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Also, it was nine games. Week. It was nine games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nine games. The all-star break that was like the entire cycle of <laughs> yeah. corona coronavirus working its way through Rudy Gobert's system. Nonetheless, after the All-Star break, he shot 34.8% from three. Like, there was market improvement <laughs> after the All-Star break. What are we, what are we doing here? <laughs> in the nine months, in the nine months since the All-Star break. No, no. All right, look. So, February. How about, is February enough? There were 13 games in February. Okay, is, that a, okay. is that enough time? Okay. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I just like, I just like, since the All-Star break. He started playing better at a certain point, but... I'm just saying that if it's the same numbers next season, that's kind of it. I mean, that's that's that, that, there's not going to be many other chances after that. So 
it's something he's got to turn around as opposed to Pascal, where it's okay. I mean, that he's he's got himself a lot of capital right now uh, to get into the rotation. There's just a big difference. I'm just like, for the sake of messing with y'all, like you're not wrong about being concerned about Jordan Poole, but I just think it's hilarious the difference in the conversations. Michael Mulder played seven games, shot 38% from the field and 30% from three, and he's the next like rotation player. It was just slightly better than Jordan Poole. It's the backup quarterback. It's, it's hilarious, right? It's like, yo, I mean, he shot 38% from the field, 30% from three, and we're booking it like this dude is, you know, he's next. I actually like him. I think he's good. Well, the three is such a heavily weighted talent in the league right now. If, if you can shoot the three, then you're going to play. Like, that's done. There's not even, like, a, it's not even a question. It's certainly on the Warriors. Yeah, it's a first-round pick versus a non-first-round pick. Like, you just, you invest more Absolutely. thinking and no more question. focus on a first-round pick. Poole has got size. He's got skills. It's just, like, is it going to be NBA skills? Is it going to fit? And it did not last season. It did for a few games. And maybe this point guard thing is going to be a, a, a nice move for him. We'll see. But... I don't think he's ever going to shoot the three great. If you say that already, then the whole thing goes to a different level. And I think we think Mulder can. And then that's, I think, where it really comes. It's The three is such a huge part of this conversation. Like, I almost think, like, Ron, what's Rondo doing out there? He can't shoot. And then he shoots a three. Okay, there's why. that's why Rondo's out there. Okay, then it's really valuable. It's just the whole thing's a three right now. And missing, like, the way Jordan Poole missed does not inspire confidence, right? Like, he was missing so badly. He was missing the bass, the rim, a lot of times. Which is the other bad. thing for me is Jordan Poole, it's becoming clear, like, his avenue to becoming a player in this league is, like, as an on-ball, like, basically a point guard, but, like, a playmaker who's high usage, kind of, like, has the ball in his hands, is running pick and rolls. And to me, you have to be really good in this league to succeed at that, whereas Michael Mulder's, like, never going to run a pick and roll. He's just going to be off to the side, running off the ball, like you said, this Duncan Robinson style, will not dribble in the game. And if he's open and you get it to him, it's catch, quick shoot. And then he's going to go play defense hard on the other end. To me... That is a lot easier because there's so many more avenues to playing time through that than there is like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be running seven pick and rolls every time I enter the game like Jordan Poole. I think Steve Kerr says they're gonna run seventy pick and rolls every game. Go ISO high high pick and roll. Go at him every time. Oh wait a minute, that's not what they're gonna do. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. So one thing we've got to talk about is this uh this number two pick which is, uh, you know, it's obviously about to kick up here. We're less than a month from the actual draft. And, man, like, we are still a month from the draft, and it's already nuts, like, the speculation. There is a particular report out there that says the Warriors do not want to choose a center with the number two pick. I can confirm that that report's there. Are the Warriors thinking right about that? You know, does having Marquise Chris, does the ability to go grab somebody like a Dwight Howard is... Shams reported wants to, you know, might want to come to the Warriors. Are they thinking rightly about this, that you don't get a center with this pick? Just in general, like we've seen in the finals, like in the playoffs, in the bubble playoffs, we saw like size was important. If they're still thinking wing, 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 centers are irrelevant, is that wise? Is that a wise way to think? I'm using wise intentionally here. Is it <laughs> No, and I, they certainly have not ruled out drafting James Wiseman. Whoa, whoa, we're not refuting reports here. This is not what we do on Okay, go ahead. Never mind. Players like over my dead body they over are. My- I'm calling up <laughs> I'm calling him up right now. Hey Bobby. This is a fact and they know this. They need another center. 
in their rotation next year. And they certainly should not be making any long-term personnel decisions like thinking like with Marquise Chris necessarily in mind. I like Marquise Chris's future. I also know that Marquise Chris is currently on a minimum deal and they don't really have his bird rights. They actually cut Marquise Chris in the middle of last season. He could have gone to all 30 teams. So we'll see who they decide to get this summer. But if they watch the West playoffs, they better know that they need another center, particularly a big center who can bang with other big centers because they don't currently have that. Their tallest player is Alan Smilagic. And I'm pretty sure Ethan could could hip check Alan Smilagic into the stanchion right now. Wow. I mean, I have been lifting... I mean, I'm getting sort of just fatter and stronger as as all dads do in, in quarantine. So, but I don't know if I could do that. I mean, Smiley might be on that uh, Ivan Drago program. Do we remember what Zion did to him, Smiley Geach when Smiley Geach entered the game? I mean, I know Zion, Zion, but. a little stronger than I am, just a little bit Zionist, just a little bit. Not to kill Smiley Geach, but the overall point is they do not have a big right now. They don't have an actual big. They need to get one. Is that Wiseman? I don't know. I I think they need to come to that decision. I think. At least three of the four of us on this podcast agree that if they decide to keep the number two pick, then he should probably be the choice. But even if it's not him, it better be somebody in free agency that you think can at least play 20 minutes in a playoff game against a Nikolai Jokic, against Anthony Davis. Well, it's a great question. Did this playoff run change the calculus at all? When you're looking at the West and Jokic is is legit. I mean, he is legit. I think... It wasn't just a fluke last year. I think we can see that this guy is a potential force in every postseason in the West, and you're going to have to get past him to say nothing of Anthony Davis and Gobert and the other bigs out West. So I wonder if that changes how they view things. And I don't know the answer to that question. I feel like they wouldn't admit it if it did. That just seems like them to me. It's like, no, 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 it has nothing to do with the pick. How could it not? How could you not say, yo, in order to win— we have to beat LeBron and Anthony Davis. That is a fact. Like, how can you look at the West? Because it's year? not very light years. It's so it's reactive rather than proactive. That's why they wouldn't want to cop to it. No, light years would have been, we saw the big trend coming, so we were going to get Wiseman the whole time while y'all were thinking about Killian Hayes. Like, I also think it's not just big either. Like, yeah, they do need size, but you still have the problem with the traditional big. It's... Man, you need that height and and girth of the four who can play the five. If you're going against Jokic, that's that's how you beat him. Like that's how you do it. You got to get Jokic. You got to pull him away from the basket. You got to get him involved to pick it. So you still need a certain type of big. So that, even that if you four go who get, can play the five, it's a it's a little a Kongu right there. I mean, I don't know if you want to go number two for a Kongu, but maybe. Well, the problem is that's kind of what Marquise Chris is right now. He's six nine. Um, he can't really shoot much, yeah, although he's, he's too like short, maybe. Though. Right. Well, I mean, a Kong was six nine. I mean, like that's the problem right now. They got a bunch of six nines. Uh, you know, Looney's six nine. They don't have any seven footers. And if you look in their past, they had the Bogut, they had the Zaza. You know, David West is more like the six nine mold. They had the Javale. The big debate is the second pick is such a valuable asset. Do you use that on a position that in two thousand twenty, or at least in two thousand eighteen, nineteen, maybe not in two thousand twenty, we seem to devalue? Can you go and get that in free agency? problem is I'm out looking at free agency like, yeah, sure, you'd love to get Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka would be such a great addition to this team. But the Toronto Raptors are probably going to give Serge Ibaka $13 million or something like that to stay there. So if he's not available to you, where do you get that upgrade? I think Akong was a little different from Chris. Not as skinny and defensively, just defensively tenacious. I get any concerns that 
is this a guy that can go four or five? Is this guy who's undersized? I think those are, are good questions to ask, but I just think that he's bringing a little something that Chris can't bring. I mean, Chris has, I think, done a good job considering the limitations, but uh, Akongwu, I think, has way more of a shot at it, I would say. I don't know, man. I'm watching these videos, these social media accounts. I'm thinking it's got to be Wiseman. Did you see his latest posts? Marcus deep in the IG. I like it. What's the latest latest Wiseman post? What is it? It was a post where he crossed this dude up, like left to right cross. He got real low. The great ball handle from out by the three and finished at the It was like, yo, look at this dude, the seven foot one, crossing people like that. It was impressive. It was an impressive curation. Like this dude is on it, man. Like this is. You gotta really be on your social media game in a draft. He's built like young David Robinson too. I don't know if that actually translates to. I don't know. Robinson. I don't know how real any of it is, but it is salacious on social media, which which is all we have at this point. Yeah, there is definitely like a thought process that like he's all he is is just like a, a back to the basket. He's only going to be in the paint type big. Like he's kind of has a chance to modernize his game and be at least a mid, you know, 17, 18, 19 foot jump shooter, but even potentially out to three, he can handle a little bit. He doesn't necessarily have the vision that you want out of your big. It's a little deliberate with his moves, just a little bit. Little but bit he's deliberate. 19. He just seems like the type of prospect, like, geez, if you get him with a Ron Adams on defense and with some other skill development coaches on offense, like what could he become? That's the thing. He is the clear winner of if all the guys walked into the combine and you didn't know anything about any of them, you're you're, you're drafting that, that guy. Easy. Jokic is not going anywhere. Anthony Davis is not going anywhere. And I was going to throw something in. I heard some of this. Is that then they had a 4-5, or they still might have a 4-5, who played that position incredibly well in many, many important games. What do they think about Draymond right now? You know, where's he? I think there are concerns. I, I'm hearing I'm hearing whispers. And I don't dispute any of that. I mean, you watched last season, you'd have to think that. You might be able to fake it. You know, they faked it with Zaza. They faked it with JaVale because they knew they had Draymond there. They could always trust Draymond to close the games against anybody. If you're not sure about that and you're not like, you know, maybe Draymond's not a 42-minute-a-game guy. He's a 34, 30-minute-a-game guy at some point. Then you got to get another big guy. You have to get another big guy because you can't go out there with a questionable Draymond and that's it. And Marquise Chris or whatever. And you're going Anthony Davis and you're going... Jokic, and you're going against all the guys that they're going to face, the top, top guys. That's I think the Draymond part of this is an important part of their equation, figuring out you know what the next important piece they have to add. If they can't handle Draymond to close games effectively, or if they have any question about that, I think Wiseman is by far the clearest. You know, If you just look at who they're playing against, and you look at how this works into the future— you need a five. You need a somebody who you can say, we can play this person for 30 minutes at that position. Now, I don't know if that's Wiseman right away, but it is. It, I think it is potentially Wiseman pretty soon. And I think Draymond is a big part of that, that formula. I also think you got to think about this beyond Draymond, too, which is using a number two pick. Like, you got to think about life after the big three and who can who can be there, right? Who can... Who can who can be a? You mean uh, the core four? <laughs> yeah, we haven't even mentioned the fourth one in in this conversation. Oh yeah, I, I keep forgetting about it. My fault. The core four. Uh, yeah, well, we don't we don't we don't know with them. No, they don't know with them. Nobody knows with Wiggins. It's Andrew Wiggins, by the way. Uh, who who knows with him? I thought it was Michael Mulder. Yeah, <laughs> it might be. <laughs> <laughs> the other part is 
when is the season starting is the question that I get a lot now. Like from friends, from people in the league, from trainers. That's that's what everybody wants to know. Does anybody anybody have a handle on that? <laughs> later than what they've announced. It's just it's whatever they announce is going to be later than that. I just think it's the push is going to be let's get fans in the arena. Let's delay it until they think they can get fans in there. You know, you look at the financial data, you look at how much money the Warriors, Lakers, etc. are losing every time they do not have fans in there. The Warriors are $6 million a game. They're going to do anything possible to try to get those fans in there. And that's, to me, it feels like January. That's what it feels like. Chase Center is already set up for it with all those barriers. It's like every rich person is quarantined away from a poor person. I mean, maybe they're, you know, maybe they're in a good position to pull this TK, off. TK, you were about but, to bring up the Seth part yeah. now. Uh, two tiers in, no Warriors. What, is that, what does that mean? No, 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 no. Wiggins was in, was in, was in one Wiggins of the Wiggins was in there? Did I miss him? Yes, yeah. He was in the 85, top 85, like 50 to 85, which I said, like, I was both surprised to see him because you know he might not be top oh, half in fifth the tier fifth tier yeah i missed him fifth tier i was he's like you know it's basically the the tier above replacement level i was like surprised like oh you know he's so bashed and we all know that it's a game that sometimes disappears but you're also going okay and he's on the same level as these guys you know it was daniel T- tice and these or whatever and all those guys you know it was, it was that Seth level Curry, baby yeah i mean it was like just just very usable max kleber Paul Millsap, wow. Yeah, I mean, there was an interesting bunch, but that's what the Warriors are paying $32 million to. So it's an interesting combination of where Wiggins fits in this league, where I was surprised he was valued that high and also go, okay, $32 million with with these guys. It's a weird spot for him to be, but the Warriors traded into him. They got him. Now it's up to them to make him more valuable than he's been. They believe they will. And honestly, the early signs were good. They only got, I think, 12 games. That post All Star break. Uh, post All Star really, break. <laughs> yeah. Post All Star break. Uh, they were really excited Let's about see what his the numbers are. Final post 17. <laughs> <laughs> you know where he was really good? He had like a five steal game. I think he had like a four block game, like defensively. And, you know, I know Ron Adams even told you this, Tim. They were like, whoa, this guy, we think, like, if we get him committed, he could be a good defender. We'll see. Uh, look, Wiggins has had stretches of 15 games, stretches of 20 games in his career before where he has looked like, you know, fringe all-star, and then he just kind of reverts to just floating around. But there is a belief that they can unlock the player he could be, particularly in the system with the slashing, cutting. He's not going to be featured offensively a ton because of who they have, and obviously he'll have more space than he's ever had. And then, they, again, they believe he could be a better wing defender than he's ever been. So they would look at that ranking and go, well, that's the Minnesota Timberwolves version of Andrew Wiggins properly being ranked because that's all we've really seen. But they think he will be something. I, I, don't, I don't know, guys. He, he seemed a, a sharp, sharp decline after the All-Star break. <laughs> he dipped from 45% to 42.6 from the field and from 34% oh, from no. three to 27% after the All-Star break. Listen, TK, this is for you. Minus 3.2 before the break, minus 15.4 afterwards. Sharp, sharp decline. Sharp. That's what happens when you join the Warriors. Sharp, uh, sharp decline, the 15 right? and 50 yeah. Warriors. At the end at the end after at the end of the year after All-Star break of a done season, right? Yeah. Like when did after the All-Star break become this thing? This this the, okay, now it's real. Yeah, when, when you the, started dissing Jordan Poole, not not paying attention to his post-All-Star jump. Steph Curry has a post-All-Star surge every year. Now Jordan Poole has one. Yeah, Jordan yes, yeah, I right was there. just nice about to bring that up, that, that <laughs> Steph's rise to stardom happened 
after the All-Star break in 2012. Uh, so, you know, uh, these things can't Did it happen, happen when he wasn't named to the All-Star team in 2012? Yeah, and that's David what Lee happened. was. David yeah. Lee yeah. was, that's right? What, yeah. what a joke of a pick, by the way, that was. I know there were, what, there were whatever considerations back then of whatever positions, but hilarious. I remember the call. David Lee was getting so irritated because, like, the first eight or nine questions was about Steph being snubbed. He's like, look, y'all. like, I made it. What, you want me to apologize? Uh, I remember asking a Warriors person who we all know about, like, what is this? Steph didn't make it and David Lee did. And the person said it was important for us that David make this team. More important for them that David make this team than Steph make that team. The politics of the organization being what I they believe were. That. that was light years, by the way. That, that Whoever did that nailed it because they really produced something. It was the person who got fired by light years, uh, by the way. So, so no more comment beyond that. Whoever came up with that saw the Steph jump after the All-Star Raider. Like, yeah, let's well, Steph let's said forget about Steph. it. Well, Steph got to Madison Square Garden and said, okay, here we go. Here we go. That's an amazing thing because it rarely is that linear or that narrative where a guy has a great game and then he's just that guy from here on out. But that's what happened right there. It was he just realized that, oh, I can actually take these shots and I'm allowed to. And that changed everything. And he can make them, you know, and it just it's just one of those like if I just keep shooting, them, I'm going to keep making them. How about that? You know, that it just was like the more he shot, the better he got. And that doesn't always happen. That almost never happens. And I think that's what happened to Steph at that moment. Like, I'm just going to be the best guy. I think there was some deferring. They're all, you know, Steph's a nice guy. He didn't want to just burst on. And he had the Monte thing early on. And then David was, you know, had the presence. And the, the, the organization was set up to try to feature David. And then Steph was the, was the young guy. And then at that, just at that moment, it's like, you know what? I'm actually the best player on this team. Period. I'm the best player. I'm going to take the shots. And it began at that moment. Some of it. And David Lee was out that game, by the way. Like you That's got right. suspended from the Pacers. <laughs> That's right. The That's brawl right. with Roy Hibbert. I'm I'm re I'm rewatching the highlights right now, and I I'd forgotten that great Carl Landry run. I mean, what what an interesting the Carl season Landry, that was. Jared Frank Jack. Vogel coach. Yeah, it was it was incredible. I, I remember that team. You know, obviously, like we're getting to the offseason, these decisions that we've kind of bandied about for months without re- a real true end date in sight. Uh, it's you know it's it, it's really coming in. They have to make a decision on this number two overall pick. And the other one is they got to make a decision on this seventeen point two million dollar trade exception. Like there is an expiration date. Do they have a set free agency date yet? By the way, the thought is probably December first, yeah. but it's it's not set. No, the draft feels like at this point really the only thing that is set right now. The rumored uh, dates are free agency December first, and then MLK for the start of the season, which is I think January eighteenth. There's a very like pump the brakes on the on MLK though. I heard MLK was like, but don't write it, don't put like, don't make it a thing. From from what I was told, I I don't. Know. It seems a little fast. There seems to be more of, and I and I agree with this opinion, but an opinion out there that they can't wait too long on this season because then you're really hurting next and season. That's the big and, deal, and yep. it's. Because that's when you expect to have fans back. Like you can't just keep affecting your schedule. And they, I think they're learning because you know, obviously they're losing the ratings battle. I don't want to drag Ethan too much into this, but losing the ratings battle to the NFL, they got to eventually get their season back to the month they wanted in. But I think that's good. If this season is pushed back, now you start the next season. Start it in December. Why are they trying to start it in October in the middle of football season? Like, 
Well, if you start next season in March, you're not going to be able to start this season after in December. No, yeah, That's you can. Point. Like, it pushes everything back, and you end the season in August. Yeah. If you go 60 games, you know, this season. 66 yeah. games in, in August. It's like when you fly around the world and you don't know what the time zones are anymore. Like, wait, is it tomorrow or is it yesterday? I mean, I do agree with Marcus that I think a December start would be better. I know that maybe the wisdom now is that getting out of schedule hurt them in the viewership game, but their best viewership season since Jordan was the season they started on Christmas. It's fine to start on Christmas. I think the main thing is when are you ending? Right now, they just ended in the middle of the NFL season. You don't want to end then. You want to end in July, probably. That is a problem. Like They ended, the Lakers won the championship, and nobody cares. Just nobody cares. It was like, oh, awesome. All right, well, uh, World Series will be tomorrow. There's many Laker fans who read Anthony Slater, but outside yeah, of the Laker you, fans. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> 66 game end in August? I would say July. July I, would say July, be, July, I think July win. needs to be the permanent end. Like, like when they reset it in the season, finals in July is what I, would, I think they should do. Finals in July, but you're now you're killing Summer League for us all. I mean. Yeah, wow, you can't do Summer League in August. Put Summer League in fall. Make it Fall League. Can they get fans into the stands they are going to hold off on this because they're giving up christmas is huge for them that is a huge thing for them to give up and they're moved off of it because they, they can't get fans in the stands i don't think they're going to get fans in the stands in january or february but maybe march you know maybe march april they're getting fans in there and every time they do it's millions of dollars for every game just once they came off of christmas i was stunned i thought they'd just do christmas no matter what that's such a huge date for them it's a great point they must sell a ton of ad revenue on Christmas for all of those games. I mean, those games those games got more viewership or tend to get more viewership than this finals, for instance. That's like an NFL Sunday for them. That's the and they're coming off of that guaranteed NFL Sunday. To me it means they are just saying we want fans in as many games as we a higher percentage of games as we possibly can have. Let's cross our fingers and move it to January. You know, once you get to late you can't go to February probably. But the hope for them I think is that they can get some, you know, get half half an arena at least in there. You know, get 2 million dollars a game instead of 6, you know, whatever and 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 that that's where that's where the timing is I think. That's where everyone's backed up and waiting for this. Here's a question. What is the pressure they're afraid of um, when it comes to restarting too early? Because, I mean, obviously you don't want a situation where you are the source of an outbreak, but I, I wonder where, just what the state of play is. Because it seemed like when everything got shut down, there was there was a lot of pressure coming from governmental agencies, from governors and whatnot. And it seems like that might not be true so much after an election, yeah, they got. Well, I was gonna say they got to get past the election too. I think. Well, I think the country has to get past the election <laughs> intact. You can't make a big decision until, like, on on a, so many levels, you can't make a decision until after the election for for just all different. Well, reasons. yeah, you don't know who you're working with. You just don't know the atmosphere. You don't know the environment. I just wonder: is the fear lawsuits from people, or is the fear that I think, for instance, it was less feasible in the past because it seemed as though a governor would perhaps shut the situation down. I am less confident that that's the main impediment post-election. And so I just wonder, I just wonder what they're afraid of. And I guess maybe we can make some phone calls and report on it. But I do wonder what their biggest fears are when it comes to restarting too early. I think also it won't be the same experience. You know, you'll have people who won't want to go Will you eat food? Will you drink anything? You know, like, it just, is it going to be the same thing? And, and nobody knows. You can't know. But I think that's part of it, too, is even if they open it up, 
Is it going to feel the same? Is it going to, are people going to want to congregate at these things? I, you know, we just don't know. I mean, I think they're going to want to, but is it going to be the same numbers, same fervor? If the government gets involved? You, you know. want to know another thing? The difference in local governments. I mean, you're seeing it in football right now where the Dallas Cowboys have whatever, 20,000. And meanwhile, the Niners, obviously not one person's in the stadium and the announcers are being like told they have to wear a mask. Like it's just when we relate it to basketball, that could be nobody in Chase Center. Meanwhile, the Dallas Mavericks have half the arena full. So that it's, you know, could be very different. And it's just, you know, you, you make a hurried decision and you, you, you're wrong. It's could be really bad it could be really bad or they could just put a sign up on chase center and say you know here there's the possible possibility you might get coronavirus <laughs> there we go didn't they already <laughs> do that we're absolved <laughs> we got no we got no more responsibility here you walk in the door all bets are off just put a sign of somebody washing their hands like yeah we're yeah. Like... <laughs> that's it what's interesting though about this conversation is i don't think the warrior we're not really gonna know if the warriors are gonna be able to pack chase center by the time they're going to be forced to make the 17.2 million dollar choice right i mean it's probably going to be expired before we know so man you know that that makes it very interesting kerr and others are saying it's got to be a special special player for them to do this you really i mean it's really got or as i keep saying it doesn't have to be the 17 million it could be an 8 million right you don't have to you don't have to take the whole thing yeah you you, you know if you're talking about a two point you know we all know it's all these differing levels of luxury tax but you know, if you're talk, basically talking about doubling the price or a little bit more than doubling the price, eight million is a big difference than sixteen million. <laughs> it's a big difference. So I could I could see them saying, okay, it's not going to be seventeen million, but it's going to be somebody that we can get in here for eight, and so that costs twenty, and that's going to give us a six percent chance more of, of moving through the playoffs. Okay, we can sell Joe on that. That that's how I see it. It's, it's going to be levels, not the whole entire thing. Are they not going to waive the tax? You know, with all this. Uh financial struggle happening that's the other question here is is what exactly the nba does with the cba rules and the tweaks they really should by they the have way. to almost it's a competitive disadvantage not that anybody should be crying tears for nba owners but i i don't think it's fair for these teams to make all of their plans according to a circumstance that is just completely unpredictable. I mean, that's, I feel like they should. And plans that impact you for the next four years, you know, you got to decide on what's happening right now. It feels like you impact the league's integrity of the of the coming season. There's two ways that they've done in the past. One, they've created an escrow, which, you know, I'm never in favor of players getting screwed here, but there is less money coming in. And if you just say, you know, these contracts are based on, financial situation that is no longer in existence you're gonna to have to take a 10% across the board cut the players will not love that that's one thing that's been done the other one would be you know maybe offer a couple amnesties maybe say you know each team's got two amnesties that they want to do it so it does they still got to pay the dollars but it doesn't count against your luxury tax you know I don't think the Warriors have very many candidates for that but some teams would have some candidates for that and then you get out a luxury tax bill if you're talking about some massive, massive number that teams are not budgeting for. And I do think that's fair to bring up. They were not budgeting for this. These were plans that were made years ago, and now the numbers are changing. The expectations are completely different. I can see them at least offering up one amnesty for every team, like they did at the lockout last night. That's how, that's how they started the lockout. And the Warriors amnesty, Jeremy Lin. No, it was uh, not Jeremy Lin as the other guy, but they cut Jeremy to try to sign DeAndre. Charlie Bell. Charlie Bell. Charlie Bell. Yeah, that's what it was. $4 million, Charlie Bell. I just remember that became a two-year war between the fan base and the Thunder front office of Amnesty Kendrick Perkins. That became like a hashtag online. And the Thunder never did it, but man, the fan base. And look what they created. Look what they created. The media sensation they created by doing that. Jeez. 
Kendrick Perkins, your buddy Slater. Hey, yeah, I saw you got a Sports yep, Illustrated yep, cover. Absolutely, I think. absolutely, big big deal in the media. Ethan Tillman Fertitta, come on, just go. We need something, <laughs> and and everyone needs to drink as he goes. Go out. That's a way to go <laughs> out. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to feign uh, wisdom on it. I I saw the news. Uh, I saw what happened. I saw that Daryl Morey is parting ways with the Rockets. Slash is getting pushed out of there. But I was on vacation, so I haven't dug in deeply to. All the quotes from old Tilly Fertitta. I know he talked to, did he talk to our Sam Amick? I, I'm sort of hitting that Raymond Ritter. Talk to our Sam Amick? He talked to Sam Amick, you know? It's, uh, I don't totally know what he said to Sam. I'm sure it was very colorful, you know, very self-aggrandizing, you know? I, I don't know. Look. Shut up and listen. Shut up and listen. <laughs> shut up and listen. What a book title. What an amazing book title. So, I don't know exactly what happened there. I just find, I, look, I don't want to be too cruel about it, but I do view Fertitta as a clownish character in the NBA scene, somebody who is maybe a little too self-centered and overestimates his own capabilities. I think what says it all is, and Marcus, we were looking at this, I think, uh, when we were in the Toyota Center. They painted a mural for the Rockets, and you see the old James Harden, you see all the greats on there, you see Hakeem. right? (laughs) And you see Tillman Fertitta twice. And the one in the front, right? Like front and center, like the lead singer of the band. Yeah, you see him twice. So, and then when they lost, and he said that we need to get that Tillman Fertitta killer instinct. I mean, it's just. I just was envisioning him saying that to PJ Tucker in the locker room. Hey, PJ, you need a little more Tillman in you. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're in for a long winter. I think that team, that situation, when you look at it long term, when you look at the ownership, when you look at the assets, how many they have given to drink everybody, Sam Presti. It's a situation that just looks, uh, you know, the Warriors and the Rockets, sadly, might be in similar circumstances. It might be a long winter for both formerly. Well, I'll uh, say there's one difference here uh, is that, and the stories have pointed out, some of them, some of the smart ones, that we all know that Daryl Morey is a very smart GM. That he just didn't quite get to it, but he made some at least risky moves, many of them that paid off at a high level. They never let him really spend like the top teams, though. Right? Fertitta just didn't let him. And there are a lot of these little moves where they're giving away things because they couldn't get to the tax. I think there's a similarity when we talk about with the Billy Bean. We don't have to all get into it. But, you know, these are two guys that were operating on the, on the edge. They were you know, visionaries in many ways. They were doing things differently. They were risk takers. They were ballsy. And they didn't have, you know, Billy in serious ways didn't have the, the payroll to do it. And Fertitta with, with Morey just kind of cut him at certain places where they would not allow him to add that extra player or two that would really push it. And that's not the case with the Warriors. I, I don't think, you know, I think Joe Lacob has pretty much proven uh, that he's going to pay a lot of money. They make a ton of money too. Maybe that's the difference. But I look at some of those things that they, they just gave away players to get under the tax line and we're playing Daniel House and you know whoever all these others. Morey could have had a lot better shot if he had just a couple other players where he didn't have to make these luxury tax moves. That's my take on it. Silence. Yeah, I'm just thinking. <laughs> I shouldn't have compared the Rockets situation to the Warriors. I feel like the Warriors A won championships and B are in a better situation. I think the Rockets the Rockets are in a – it's a tough one. It's a tough scene. When we when look just, back on these these five years, especially the three with Durant, people will remember the Rockets. Like, it's not nothing oh, that they that was the team. The that was, oh, yeah, like, that was and, the team. And, you know, they they were at least trying the, to The win. Buffalo Bills of the Absolutely. Warriors run. You still remember Jim Kelly, right? You still remember Thurman Thomas and 
Bruce, Bruce Smith. Smith. Yeah, like an Andre Reed and uh, what's the Daryl Talley? Twenty-seven in a row is wide right or whatever the <laughs> Scott Norwood. I don't want to make this a story signing session, but I would not Tasker. mind that story. That's the guy I was thinking. Uh, Tasker. Steve Tasker, Northwestern. I would just uh, Northwestern. I would not mind a story Steve on that Tasker. from, that was the guy from was one of you guys. About. Like looking at just comparing the two franchises. I already wrote it, man. You want me to rehash my old uh, one? Yeah. You, wrote, you wrote right it now. Y- y'all can it look all over. Link, link to my old article. What you mean the dynasty ain't over? Haven't you heard? No, just well. That's why you're right. You're right that this one's not over, and the other one that wasn't a, that didn't even get to the championship level uh, is is over. That that's interesting to me. The Warriors had the dynasty. The Rockets had the trinasty. They they were they were right Trina, there. Train trinasty. Travesty. And that's our cue, Slater. <laughs> when the dad jokes come out. <laughs> Next week, should we do like a big draft preview? Like what? Oh, hell yeah. Let's I'm go. in. Let's I'm go. all the way in. Let's do it. Do we want to do that next week? Like, I guess I could... That that means you guys might want need to dig in a little bit this more week. than I have already. Yeah, let's do a, yeah, pre- let's do a, let's do do a preliminary. Let's let's call it our preliminary draft preview, not our official draft preview. We still have some time for that. Let's just we're gonna we're talk draft. We'll talk the bigger issues with the draft next week. How about that for a tease? So you're not gonna dig in, TK? Is that what you're saying? I'm gonna dig in as much as I've done already, <laughs> which is a lot. I'm which is a lot you, more than I'm normal. With you on that, like yo, haven't we dug in enough? <laughs> It's a lot of digging in. I've looked at Australian basketball film. How much more can I do? Iowa State. Let's watch some synergy <laughs> clips of uh, Tyrese Halliburton. No? I've watched many. And I've watched many Australian clips. And I am no better informed on what's going to happen when these guys start than anybody else. Quick uh, quiz on the way out. Um, on Seth Partnow's amazing. Killian Hayes. Seth wait. Partnow's amazing trivia uh, uh, rankings tier system. Who's the highest paid player in tier five? That's got to be, got to be Wiggins. Wiggins. It's not Wiggins. It's not Wiggins. Blake, Blake Griffin. Griffin. I don't know who's, who would be. Wow. Oh, oh, I got it. Wow. Wow. I got Blake it. Blake Griffin. 36.5 million. 36.6, really. I don't disagree, but that's got to be a shock to all Blake Griffin fans. Woof. So, Blake, uh, you know, it's funny on the um, beat writer mock draft, we've done a three three now we released the third one today james edwards who covers the pistons you know we're playing like fake gms in this he's continually offered me blake griffin seven for andrew wiggins and two and it's a it's an easy no it's an easy no so that might tell you something about where blake is health wise at the stage of his career and i don't even know what like he's like a shooting four now what is he i don't even know what like he doesn't defend any position i don't know what he does anymore so yeah i mean talk about overlap with pascal and uh draymond green that would be an ultimate overlap i don't know i'd do it just for the draymond green blake griffin practices <laughs> and the <rumors laughs> yeah they love each other out of it. <laughs> bring sign bogut back again just for that too just just to have bogut and blake griffin practice against each other next week if the man doesn't keep us off air and try to suppress our voices if that doesn't happen, we will be here to talk draft, NBA draft. But we will not be stopped by the man, a.k.a. Brian, our producer, trying to shut us down. We will not be silenced. We will not be quieted. Yeah, he's probably been stopped recording. And no more. Yeah, he stopped recording a long time ago. <laughs> he's done. <laughs> All right. All right. We out. <laughs> <laughs>